We return to our interview and dialogue with Nan McCurdy. So this article about Nicaragua, the interesting thing is, Nicaragua has done so much right. There are so many good things that I only use reports from really major institutes from the last three months. So all this I'm sharing is only from the last three months. An Inter-American Development Bank report titled Public Administration Panorama found that Nicaragua was the country with the highest level of gender parity in ministerial positions. What that means is that of all of the countries in Latin America and the Caribbean, Nicaragua has the highest number of women in government. And Nicaragua and the the Sandinista Party have instituted a number of, initially they were kind of more like, what's the word, just things the party did to set an example. And then they were able to turn certain things into laws, like for, for municipality. Both the mayor, the vice mayor, and all of the people on the council, it has to be 50-50. So in 50% of the municipalities, there's a female mayor, and in 50% of the municipalities, there's a male mayor. And if it's a man, mm. then the vice mayor is a woman. And the council people are 50-50. In the National Assembly, at least 50-50. It can be more female, but it can't be more male uh, in terms of trying to kind of reverse the damage done in the past. So Nicaragua was number one on this in all of Latin America. In terms of gender equity, so that's enough to blow your mind. Mm -hmm. The World Bank found that Nicaragua has one of the best transparency levels in public debt, which basically means of all when a country borrows money, are they presenting openly and clearly to everyone how they use the money, how much is left, and, and they found that Nicaragua is just up to date on everything and it's all public. Yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I can just remember all of the monies that were poured into Haiti post-2010 earthquake and how only a sliver of it ever went to Haiti, that it went to the NGOs. So much of the money never made it to where it was allegedly intended to be addressed. And what you're saying is this transparency is the exact opposite. It's to make sure that people know exactly where these monies are spent, how they're spent, how much is spent for what, and what is left over to roll into other projects, I presume. Exactly. And in fact, in in one of these reports, they were actually talking about corruption in government, and they went so far to say that in Nicaragua, you're not going to find any government officials who can be paid off. I mean, I thought that was incredible coming from that they, you know, these institutions realize this, and the U.S. and the U.S. media continue to ignore it. So let me just go on with just a few more things on that. Please. The Central America Bank for Economic Integration praised Nicaraguan's excellent execution of resources. And this is talking once again about loans. When they get a loan from, you know, an international bank, does all the money go for the project? Is the project done with good materials? Is it done in a timely manner? Is there very good reporting? And 
basically Nicaragua is considered number one in the entire region in terms of how they execute their projects alone. Now on to the area of health and good management of COVID-19 and social programs. The Inter-American Development Bank ranked Nicaragua second in Central America and fourth in all of Latin America in health investment. And they said that Nicaragua currently is investing 5.2% of its GDP in health. The only Central America country that comes close to that uh, is Costa Rica. Uh, And then the International Monetary Fund actually went through this huge report where all they did was praise Nicaragua on how it's been fighting COVID-19. And it talked about all of the education and prevention, all the following of international protocols, the measures implemented, all the training, both of health personnel and of health promoters. They have done a great job, not just at the airport, but all along all their borders. They lauded how Nicaragua monitors people coming in through the Costa Rican border, the Honduran border at the airport, how they test them and then follow them. Uh, For example, when I came into Nicaragua in March, even though it hadn't really begun yet here, They spent 15 minutes with my husband and me. They sent us into quarantine. They told us exactly what to do. And believe it or not, we had health personnel calling us every other day to make sure we weren't going out. And that's the kind of thing they did, for example, with Nicaraguans coming back from Costa Rica. And then the IMF goes on to say that the government continues also to prioritize Programs that strengthen the social safety net, including provision of food packages among vulnerable families. Yeah, and that's kind of where I wanted Um, to direct your focus on the Nicaraguan experience, because I was fascinated in your article. And again, I want to remind our listeners that we're talking with Nan McCurdy, and she recently wrote this uh, article, came out on August 27th just a few days ago, actually, called U.S. Media Have Dismissed the, This Important Story. International banks rank Nicaragua among the best in service for the people, project execution, and transparency. And my question, what I'd like you to elaborate a little bit more on, is you talk about, like you said, the safety net. That referred to food and such. But you also talked about not just the social safety net, but the productive social infrastructure that has been created in Nicaragua and specifically investment in roads, in electricity. In other words, 98% of all of Nicaraguans have access to electricity. When it comes to drinking water, when it comes to all of these public sector areas, potable water supply, and on and on and on. Can you just elaborate a little bit more on that aspect? Just the the basic needs right and of and, and in in a very recent report the Inter- Inter-American Development Bank actually rates Nicaragua third in all of Latin America in this area and that includes electricity potable water sanitation and transportation and in transportation, a big part of that is that we have the best roads in the region, right. but also we uh, Nicaragua subsidizes public transportation for the population 
and excuse me for interrupting, but can you elaborate? This is in the environment, the objective environment of U.S. sanctions, is it not? Yes, I would say that once again, it's Nicaragua is the threat of a good example. Here's this little tiny impoverished country that has free public health care, an excellent public health care system that I would bet you $100, Pedro, in five years is considered one of the top three health systems in all of the Americas. They are putting so much energy into it. Just since 2007, the Sandinistas have built 19 modern hospitals. Seven are being built now, and eight are being built in the next few years. We have modern machinery for radiation, for chemotherapy, and all of those kind of things. Because of the hot climate and the kind of agricultural work people do, we have a lot of problems with renal insufficiency. So everything related to kidney transplants, dialysis, all of that is totally free. It's <laughs> it's interesting to me, yeah, that apparently Nicaragua needs to be sanctioned and overthrown their government for over-hospitalization, for over... <laughs> it, it, it's just, it's the insanity of it. If it didn't mean lives and years lost off lives it would be the material you could make jokes about. But it's so serious, yeah, the impact exactly. that our policies have on all these countries. Let me ask you, because Nicaragua is a country that is a member of ALBA. The Bolivarian Alliance for the Peoples of Our America, an intergovernmental organization based on the idea of social, political, and economic integration of countries in Latin America and the Caribbean. And ALBA had a number of other nations also that have exited from it based on the U.S.-led overthrows of these more progressive governments. But there's still a handful of nations that have this kind of common trade relationship with other nations. Can you tell us a little bit about ALBA? And then also, if you can also sure. trans transition into this, this International Court of Justice they had a nine, this 1986 decision where they actually awarded reparations to Nicaragua from the United States for the criminal foreign policies that you were talking about earlier in the show. But, but first, tell us a little bit about ALBA, would you please? Yeah, ALBA, the idea for ALBA came from President Chavez of Venezuela in the early 2000s. Uh, yeah, excuse me for interrupting, but it was founded initially by Fidel and Chavez by Cuba and Venezuela in 2004 as a regional economic integration entity based on a vision of social welfare, bartering, and mutual economic aid. And the idea was instead of having a free trade agreement, which free trade agreements, for example, NAFTA, who wins in NAFTA? The big rich people, the corporations in Mexico and in the U.S., and who gets hurt? The people both in the U.S., losing jobs, as small farmers in the and the same thing in, in Mexico. Now, a, a fair trade agreement means sharing the different things you have, because each country has, you know, different minerals, produces um, different products, and trying to share those in a responsible and fair way. So the, the current members are Venezuela, Cuba, Bolivia, Nicaragua, 
the uh, Dominica, which is in the Caribbean, Ecuador, Antigua, and Barbuda, also Caribbean, St. Vincent, and the Grenadines, also Caribbean, St. Lucia, the island of Grenada, and the Federation of St. Kitts and Nevis. So you can see it's, it's become very much a Caribbean nation country. Because remember, Venezuela has a Caribbean coast and Nicaragua has a large Caribbean coast. When it started, Venezuela was producing a lot of oil. So what they were doing was providing the oil to all of these countries at very at a favorable price. The country had to pay for I believe it was 25% of the oil when it received the oil. And then the rest, they could pay back under very good terms, very low interest rate over a long period of time. However, they had to use the money they earned from that oil. So the oil, they get the oil, probably it's the U.S. company that actually turns it into gasoline and then sells it. Anything the government earns from that oil over and above what they're going to pay back to Venezuela has to be used for social projects, for health care, for education, for loans to women, etc., etc. So that's ALBA. Honduras was just about to become a member of ALBA when Hillary Clinton basically overthrew the, the government in 2009. I, I'm very sad to say that. I was extremely disappointed. But it was Hillary Clinton. I mean, and it was Obama. Mm-hmm. And Honduras was doing absolutely nothing radical. Basically, this, this president, who was from a, a well-off family, but had been influenced by a lot of the social movement people in Honduras, who had got to know, they had done a few very small things, like raising the minimum wage and talking about being members of ALBA. And, school, and that was school enough for the old stuff. Honduran oligarchy and the U.S. government to say, this guy's got to go. Right. And the, the military went in and pulled him out of bed at five in the morning in his pajamas, took him to a U.S. military base in Honduras, and then he was flown to Costa Rica. Yeah, even the, I think it was Hugo Lawrence, the U.S. ambassador, admitted the same, that it was a coup. Uh, that, that's our own U.S. ambassador that got replaced uh, after that. Well, what, Hillary Clinton, yeah. she, she talked about it in the first edition to her book. Uh-huh, um, right, right. So if you can get the first edition, you can see her admitting to all of it. Let me ask you, in Nicaragua, there was the United States refused to accept and comply with the ruling of the International Court of Justice, a decision that was made back in 1986 that awarded reparations to Nicaragua. I just wanted to share with our audience how lawless our sanctions are illegal, our invasions, whether it's Iraq and other places, are illegal. We're in Syria, uninvited, uh, occupying their oil fields, taking their oil. That's illegal. And then we have the gall to accuse other nations of not following the rule of law. But Before I ask you, Nan, on June 27, 1986, the International Court of Justice declared its judgment. 
its findings included a rejection of the justification of collective self-defense advanced by the United States with respect to Nicaragua concerning the military or paramilitary activities against Nicaragua, and a statement that the U.S. had violated the obligations imposed by customary international law not to intervene in the affairs of another state and not to interrupt peaceful maritime commerce. The court also found that the United States had violated certain obligations arising from a bilateral treaty of friendship, commerce, and navigation of 1956, and that it had committed acts such to deprive that treaty of its object and its purpose. So among other violations, I I just wanted to share these and ask you to comment further. Tell us a little bit about this ruling of 1986 by the International Court of Justice, would you, and the reparations? Sure. Well, it was in response to Reagan's war using the Contra in the 1980s and all of the damage. So Nicaragua just decided, let's do a Nicaraguan lawsuit against the International Court in The Hague. And they had good people I think at that point in time, much of the world was on Nicaragua's side, including about 75% of the U.S. population, and they won. They won, and they were supposed to have paid because they added up the damages, and the damages only from the war from, like, 1980 through 85 were estimated at $17 billion at the time. Today, we're talking, you know, many, many more billions of dollars. But, of course, the U.S. said, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to, you know, we don't mind international law. We're the United States. We're the most powerful country in the world. Yeah, And that's where it's at today. Imagine what Nicaragua could do with, with you know, $80 billion. Well, also, the fact of the finding in reparations was due largely to the cowardly acts of the Contras. They didn't attack. They stayed away from Sandinista armed positions. They attacked defenseless teachers and rural areas and destroyed infrastructure. All of these infrastructure improvements you talk about were so needed, I'm sure, as vestiges from part of that long, long activity that was promoted, funded, and actually people that executed it were trained by some of them in the School of uh, America's Watch at that time. Listen, there's so much information that's so important to get an informed idea. I wanted to ask you if you could share with folks, if they're interested in the book that you edited, The Revolution Won't Be Stopped, and Nicaragua Advances Despite the U.S. Unconventional Warfare, as well as the Alliance for Global Justice website. Can you give us a little information to our audience as to how they can access that information and and be more familiarized with with the writings that you have been part of and and your colleagues within the collective? Thank you, Pedro. Yeah, that'd be great. If they just go to AFGJ, Alliance for Global Justice, AFGJ.org. They can find so much on Nicaragua and also quite a bit on on Venezuela, on Cuba, on Bolivia. But we produce every week basically like a a magazine online. You can subscribe for it. It's called Nika Notes. It always includes a really terrific article by someone and uh, news briefs. People who read it 
seem to think it's quite interesting. You can find both books that, that Pedro has talked about, Live from Nicaragua, Uprising or Coup, which is a, in many ways a history book about the U.S. intervention and attempted coup of April to July 2018, which, by the way, you should know it was an extremely violent coup. More than 200 people were killed. More than 300 Sandinistas were brutally tortured. I think it's very important to take a look at this book. There are a lot of pictures. You can download the book in three different formats, so you can have it on your computer and look at what you want to look at, read the chapters you like. Same thing with the most recent book, The Revolution Won't Be Stopped. comes in three formats. You can have it on your computer. It goes through... The advances Nicaragua has made only in 2019 for women on the environment, on the Caribbean coast, in tourism, in popular economy, Nicaragua is developing very creative ways of supporting small families and in particular women in the economy, including the agricultural economy. Nicaragua almost has 90% self-sufficiency in food, which is just an amazing thing. And then there are four chapters that will, if you read even two of those four, you'll totally have an education on how the current unconventional warfare works by the United States. And I would say one sentence about that, lying. They become absolutely expert at lying. And it's amazing to me that the Washington Post and the New York Times, they just repeat the, the lies. They don't investigate anything. It's just a total disinformation campaign against little Nicaragua. And if you just even read a little bit, you, I think you'll quickly get the picture. And the last thing I'd like to tell you is come to Nicaragua. Just come You know, for a week, 10 days vacationing, Nicaragua is so amazingly beautiful. And the vast majority of Nicaraguans are just the nicest people you'd ever want to meet in your life. Quite a few people speak English, so even if you don't have much Spanish, it's absolutely no big deal. We have gorgeous coasts, so wonderful snorkeling, surfing, just sunbathing. We have a chain of 19 volcanoes. You can climb volcanoes. You can go down in volcanoes. You can go sledding on volcanoes. We have beautiful mountainous areas. It's close to the United States. It's it's, it's quite cheap to vacation in Nicaragua because I think if people just go there, in one week you will totally understand that what you read in, in all the U.S. media It's just, even democracy now, unfortunately, it's just a downright lie. Yeah, that's kind of what we fight with. with, That's what the show's about, bringing light into darkness. That darkness is the misperceptions that are created in the public's consciousness, and it's based on bad information. If you have bad information, you are not going to be able to really see what's going on in the world. So, listen, man, thank you so much for all of your contributions to clarifying the reality in Nicaragua and U.S. relations. We will look forward to following your work. 
once again, we've had the great pleasure of visiting with the editor of Nika Notes, Nan McCurdy, and we look forward to staying in contact with your work. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Pedro. I look forward <laughs> to being with you again. Absolutely. And just another reminder that we are in our membership drive for the month of September. This is Undercover Greg again. Has anyone noticed any changes in Austin over the last six months? Yes, it has gotten and stayed hotter, but we have also been keeping socially distanced, washing our hands, and wearing our damn masks. For the safety of our beloved staff and programmers and volunteers, KOP has been working from home. Each day we craft away on our own devices to bring you the sound of Austin that you have known and supported for over 25 years. This includes keeping your radio still screaming and news and public affairs shows that bring you timely information and help during the pandemic. A lot has been new and different for all of us. All through September, we are conducting our full membership drive differently with more of our wonderful content and less of our pitching. Think of it as a unique opportunity to support the station you love, KOOP. Listen in throughout the month as new and different fall membership drive will be morphing into new and different things. But don't hesitate to help us out by going to kop.org and the safe and secure online donation button. If you do have specific questions or issues related to the virus, please contact us at 512-710-5353 or at COVID-19 at koop.org. Remember, stay well, stay safe, stay weird, and stay listening to KOOP. Please stay tuned for our overnight broadcasting which comes up next, you'll have to switch on over to our internet at koop.org. So join Tim for Nobody's Happy Hour. We take you out as we do every night with Land of Naivety. Yeah.